Hello and welcome to the Run With Ellie live show, the show that brings you stories from your everyday runners to professional athletes and other specialists in the running community who all share a common passion for the sport. I'm your host, Coach Allie. I hope my podcast can help you change the way you live and the way you move so in the long run, you're able to live a sustainable and healthy lifestyle that you deserve. The purpose of this podcast is to promote the love of running. Throughout my experience speaking with the individuals in the running community, I've found that many of us seek acceptance and relatability in some way, shape, or form. On Run With Alley Live, I tie together the common pain points and solutions through the stories told by the special guests on the show. Each individual has a unique running journey and shares how running impacts the mind and body in the sport and outside of it, both mentally and physically. So stop being so hard on yourself. Tune in right here weekly for new motivational episodes with special guests to inspire you to change your life for the long run. Thank you once again for joining us on Run With Ally Live. Please don't forget to support the show and our special show guests by clicking on the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you choose to listen to the show on. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Run With Ally Live. It is October 18th. Tuesday, and we are here with Chris Harris. Chris, how are you feeling post Ironman? I'm feeling a lot better now than I was about a week ago. I was in quite a lot of pain for a while, as you can imagine. But no, I'm I'm bouncing back a lot quicker than I expected, which is a pleasant surprise. That is such a pleasant surprise. And you know, I am so happy to have you on the show today. Uh, Chris works for Precision Fuel and Hydration, as he's representing in his shirt. And he just completed the Ironman. And we're going to talk about fueling, running, endurance, you know, everything. And to those of you new here, um, this, you know, podcast is really to bring together individuals in the endurance community and running community uh, who all share a common passion for the sport. So as you've already heard in the in the intro, please do subscribe to the show if you are new here. And if you are a returning guest, I welcome you back to the show. Please also subscribe if you haven't already. And without further ado, we're going to dive into the questions. So Chris, I'm so happy to have you here after your your adventure of a week and event. Uh, I would love for you to tell us about yourself and what you love about distance running and I guess the Ironman. Sure. So as thank you very much for, for having me on. Um, it's, it's great to be here. Um, as you, as you mentioned, I'm a part-time triathlete, but I'm a, my job is actually as a sports scientist here at Precision Fuel and Hydration. So essentially what, what I do here is, is help design uh, fuel and hydration programs for a whole range of athletes from the top level elite professional athletes and from a whole range of sports from triathlon to team sports to endurance running to ultra endurance running um, and essentially help them get through their races and their training with uh, without too much distress and making sure they're eating and drinking the right amount to, to help them show what all their training uh, indicates they're capable of essentially um, I do quite a lot of I took up triathlon about three years ago and um, I've always been interested in in endurance sports and so thought why not combine three endurance sports and, and stick them all back to back um, and as you mentioned I recently raced at the Ironman World Champs in Kona Hawaii uh, for the first time and 
it's a it's a pretty savage day out i'll be completely honest but it 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 truly tested exactly what i essentially do nine to five every day which is you know that i could fuel it properly you know nine nine and a half hours of of exercise take some fueling and it was nearing 30 degrees with about 70 percent humidity so certainly took a bit of uh detailed hydration planning as well to to get me through without too much difficulty that's amazing and you know I think fueling is so important the longer the distance. I haven't done an Ironman yet. I would love to start with actually a half that's on my bucket list for this year in all seriousness. Um, but I've just always thought about the fueling for ultra marathons. I mean, I just ran a marathon and I actually nailed my fueling um, for the first time in my life. And it's like the best feeling ever. So I could relate to you very well. Absolutely. Like, you know, it's like, yes, you know, just. It's such a big part of it, right? Stomach. It really is because it totally allows you just to, to show what, you know, a lot of people do these fantastic training sessions and they're, they're banking things week on week on week and then they get to race day and they just can't show it. And it must be the most, and I've been there, it's the most frustrating thing. And so a big part of, of what we do is, you know, it's, it's not giving people superpowers. It's just simply enabling them to show how good they really are. And exactly as you just mentioned, it's the best feeling when you know you've, you've really got it right. And it's enabled you to show truly what you have, you know, in the legs. Yes, so absolutely. I'm just, yeah, uh, I, I agree. It's, it's a race maker or breaker. Or breaker, quite right. Yeah. And that's, and that's, you know, a lot of people, you know, they, they view it as a, as a secret science because a lot of people get it catastrophically wrong. Um, and so helping people get it right and, and, and understand the, the whole premise behind fueling and, and hydration is is so reward what makes it so rewarding yes and I, I know it's very individualized and you know that would be a whole other podcast episode and you know I, I suppose people could reach out to you at precision fuel and hydration get their personalized program but for the sake of this podcast I would love to hear your take on fueling during your training and fueling for the days leading up to race day. And when I say fueling, I'm not talking about food. I'm talking about like with your product and just just generally speaking, like what that looks like, what it could do. Sure. So fueling, and, and I like that you, you touched on the, the fueling during training as well. And a lot of people typically only focus on, on things like eating gels and drink mixes during races. And that can often be why they come unstuck during races is because they've, their body's not used to it. They've never done anything like that before. And so, so certainly training you know, your, your body's ability to tolerate fueling is a huge part of success on race day. Now, in order to, the, we all know that the, the key to success in, in training is consistency over time. And in order to achieve consistency, you need to be giving your, your body adequate fuel during training to allow it to operate well both during the sessions and also can help speed up recovery after sessions, which will subsequently help you bounce back and be able to train harder and, and, and better in, in, in the following days. And so ensuring that you have adequate, primarily carbohydrate intake uh, during exercise and during long and hard training sessions can, can help with that to, to ensure that your, your body has the correct fuel that it needs to, to operate at high intensities. And as I mentioned, also, it helps save other energy sources for, for later on during the during the day where, where you're needing them to to help um, repair muscles and, and enhance recovery so there's a, a sort of a, a double bonus from from fueling during training in terms of the the lead up towards a race 
Now, typically, everyone's heard of the, the trendy phrase of, of carb loading. And essentially, for, for those that aren't fully aware, carb loading is essentially the, the process of increasing the amount of stored energy that your body holds onto in the, in the days leading up to a race to essentially enable you to have more readily available stores of carbohydrates when race day comes around and can therefore help you uh, maintain high levels of, of, of circulating energy in your blood later on during a race, coupled with, with fueling during. And so in, typically the, the process of carb loading starts a couple of days out from a race, um, two or three days out where essentially you're slowly starting to, to gradually replace some, some fatty meals or fatty uh, parts to a meal with some more carbohydrate-containing uh, uh, um, uh, foods. And as I said, just to sort of encourage your body to, to store some of those. And then when you, when you reach for them during the race, when your body reaches for them during the race, they're there readily available. Um, it's not something that typically you, you have to do for, for every training session. You don't have to do it for every single race. But, but typically, if you, if you want to increase your, as I said, your, your, your available energy, then it's a process that can typically be undertaken. And it's worth mentioning that whilst, as you alluded to earlier, we can't mention absolutely everything in this episode. We, at Precision Fuel and Hydration, do have a, a large database of, of blogs and, and bits and pieces of, of educational information on our, on our website, which you can, um, I would definitely direct you to, uh, to, to read up on the science behind some of the bits that we chat about. Yeah, and I'm going to include those in the show notes. I actually had Andy Blow on here earlier, and, you know, it was we had an excellent episode. I actually, um, very close to training for my recent marathon. I tried, uh, like a personalized kit from you guys and I loved it. It was just like a little too close to like truly train with it. I'm someone that firmly believes like using something for like maybe a full year of training to, you know, truly see adaptations, um, and you know, whatnot, but, you know, just obviously, you know, what you just did, an Ironman to just that, how, so to the listeners on here, an Ironman, um, it's like a triathlon, but very, very long one, uh, swim, bike, run, all endurance. You need a lot of fuel and a lot of practice for that. Um, how long did it take you, Chris? Like just to give people uh, idea. Nine hours, 40 minutes. So it was just over 50 minutes of swimming, just okay. about five hours of, of biking. And then the marathon, so it was just about three and a half hours. Okay, so to the listeners on here, you heard it. So that amount of time, like that, that takes a lot of practice with fueling. Uh, a marathon does too. Marathon's a great place to start because <laughs> there's a marathon in a triathlon. But I love what you said about you know the carb, um, the carb loading leading up to the marathon. I, I would love to hear your take on you know, I know it's, you don't need to incorporate it on every run, but could it benefit you to try doing that to get your body, you know, used to it? Obviously there's going to be days where you might have to stop and go to the bathroom because you're a little dehydrated or something doesn't go right in your training. And so I guess like my question to you is, would it hurt you if, if, fueling and hydration is something you truly just wanted to nail that one thing that was maybe your a goal for your race? Sure. So certainly trialing your fuel and, and your hydration plan as, as essentially as, as much as possible really is, is only going to be beneficial 
the only sort of downside is if you take that to a, a true extreme, you might start getting, you know, sick of the taste of the same energy products over and over and over again. But that's when you're taking it to a, to a true extreme. What you really want to do is, is simulate race conditions as best you can, which is why when you get closer towards races, your training starts to look more like race simulation training. And a similar sort of strategy should be employed with your, uh, with your fueling and your hydration. If you're, if you're going to try and take three gels per hour during your marathon, then the first time you try three gels an hour should ne- certainly not be on race day. And so practicing in it in a couple of long runs, in a couple of, uh, t- of, of your interval sessions can help your body just get used to the, that process of digesting and, and absorbing carbohydrates whilst operating at you know, a reasonably high intensity. And so just to you know, reduce the likelihood of, of any issues on, on race day, you know, your, your body is incredibly good at adapting. And we, we have seen several athletes go through a journey of what we like to call training your gut. Um, and that is a similar a similar process. I like to liken it to, to how you would, you know, train your your muscles to be able to to run at a faster pace. You wouldn't just straight away set off on your first session running at your 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 target marathon pace. You know, let's say three and a half minutes per k. You wouldn't walk out the door and start doing that. The same way with your fueling plan. If you're aiming to take three gels per hour, you wouldn't just immediately start day one taking three gels an hour because if you've gone from taking no gels an hour your body will likely just reject it and you'll end up feeling sick or like you mentioned, needing to, to go to the toilet. And so it is a, it is a gradual process. Um, but, but certainly practicing that during training is certainly something that we've seen an awful lot of athletes have some, some great success with. The, the thing with, with the ultra endurance events and the particularly stuff like long distance triathlons is that when you get to sort of seven, eight hours, nine hours into a race, you're almost verging into to uncharted territory simply because there are very, very few occasions, if any, where you do an eight-hour training day. And therefore, the, the, the unknown we try to, um, try to counteract or, or predict by you know, simulating this, this sort of gut training in training so that the, the likelihood of these, any issues rearing their head later on during the race are, are reduced. Yeah, that's, you know, I... Yeah, I couldn't imagine. But, you know, a marathon, again, is a great precursor, I think, for that. And I love that you have extensive experience just, you know, practicing your fueling um, yourself. And, you know, I love what you said about simulating what you're doing, like basically what your goal race or long run is. So to the listeners on here, what Chris said about, you know, training your fitness and easing into that and applying progressive overload with your training program, you should have an equivalent program that's going to complement that with your fueling that's applying almost like progressive overload with your fueling strategy, right? And apply that to your long runs and multiple long runs and multiple workouts that will simulate what you're trying to do, whether that's a marathon or a half marathon, uh, to get your gut ultimately to stomach um, not only stomach the fuel, but also use it properly and efficiently to give you the energy to keep pushing that pace. Absolutely. And, and that last point you, you touched on there is, is super important, whereby it's not just a case of shoveling as much in your mouth as possible. It's a case of actually training your, your body to be able to, you know, not as you said, not only tolerate it, but actually use it because you can, you can eat. You know, I, I'm, there are some people out there that will be able to eat five or six gels an hour without any you know, GI issues at all, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're that they're actually absorbing those carbohydrates. So 
the likelihood is that over time it could end up in, in, in sickness. And even if it doesn't, it's just wasted fueling that you're not actually benefiting from. Um, in what circumstance do you think that someone wouldn't absorb carbohydrate? Like would like would so the, the the science typically recommends that the the human body has a, a limit, has a ceiling to the amount of carbohydrates that it can absorb. We we use a, a it relative to we can use it compared relative to time. So we, we always talk about grams of carbohydrates per hour that the that the gut can can absorb. It makes it a really easy metric to compare and for for people to, to digest, if you'll excuse the uh, expression, but basically, we're what, what we're what we've seen in the in the science is that typically in the last couple of years, the the ceiling was set at around about 90 grams of carbohydrates per hour. That was typically seen to be the limit. In recent years, in the last couple, we've seen lots of uh, ultra endurance athletes and long distance triathletes, in particular, pushing that that uh, that number up towards closer towards 100. 110, 120 grams of carbohydrates per hour, and are actually able to to absorb that. Now, as I said, that that's then taking years of, of experience and years of training their bodies to be able to absorb quantities like that. And you know, the the average the average person, whatever the average person might look like, probably won't be able to tolerate that amount of, of carbohydrates. Nor nor do they need to, because we see a lot of athletes performing very very well on a lot more modest and and, and appropriate carbohydrate strategies. So. For example, there's, there's several high-performing athletes at the, at the World Championships just been for, for the Ironman that average, you know, sort of in the in the mid 80s to, to low 90 grams per hour, and we're even beating people that were that were hitting 110 grams an hour. So it's not just a case of more is better, but there is a, a trend suggesting that that higher carbohydrate intake and, as I mentioned earlier, sort of can can increase energy availability so long as you're able to to absorb it and therefore can can allow you to, to perform better. Yes, that that was excellent. And then there's exceptions to the rules and also individualization in terms of who could use what amount of carbohydrate. But yes, the overall trend absorbing the amount and being able to stomach that is is very important. That's very interesting. I didn't know that. Like honestly, the the science behind the hourly uh, you know, I guess average grams of carbohydrate a human body could store. That's, I mean, and when you add training to that, that just gets even more interesting because that's truly science right there. Um, but, you know, so, so anyone listening on here, uh, what Chris said about uh, not not eating a gel all at once, that's, I have to say, I've learned that the hard way. I'm sure many of you have, could relate, Chris, maybe you can. Uh <laughs> And I'm just laughing because, you know, it just always goes south usually, especially if you're new to it. And, you know, something I I want to share that I did during the Chicago Marathon that was a lot different in terms of intake was I opened up a goo that wasn't the brand, actually. I'm not going to, you know, disclose the brand. And I ate little by little within a five-minute time frame. So I was intaking carbohydrate and not just intaking it all at once maybe that helped a little chris i was just thinking about it when you said that yeah it, it certainly can do and it's certainly a strategy that that when i'm chatting to to, to athletes you know discussing their plan is, is something that i would typically recommend simply because you know that you want to you want to be able to tolerate it and you also want to perceptually you, you want to enjoy it as much as you can and nobody would would choose to you know, eat all of their food all in one go. And so whilst logistically, it might be that 
you know, if you're if you're during a technical gravel bike race, for example, you might only have a matter of seconds to be able to get the the carbohydrates in, and therefore you have to just do it all in one one big go. But preferably, particularly during during endurance running, there's very there's very seldom a, a, a strict time cap on when you must consume food, and therefore you're you're likely going to be carrying it yourself. And so, exactly as you said drip feeding and, and sort of, you know, re- reducing the, the quantity, but in increasing the time can often be a, a more preferable and, and also it can help the gut because you're not overloading it all at once. So you might, you know, it can, it can sort of continually absorb and continually break down carbohydrates over a, a small period of time. Typically the, the, the recommendations of between 60 and 90 grams of carbs an hour typically is between two and three gels per hour. So what people will, would usually do is is have one at 20 minutes, one at 40 minutes, and one on the hour, and that's, that's absolutely fine. And can, absolutely, and it can work absolutely fine, no problem at all. But some people might also have sort of half a gel at 10 minutes, half a gel at 20 minutes, and they have you know half every 10 minutes, for example. There is no right or wrong answer, as you mentioned to earlier. It's it's fully individual and it's totally personal preference. And and as so long as you're getting the carbohydrates, giving the fuel that your body needs then, you know, it's relatively up to up to the individual how they choose to do that. Very, yeah, very interesting and insightful. Do you recommend that a first-time marathoner should take their fueling strategy and from an unbiased standpoint, if you can, uh, they should take their fueling strategy as serious as their, you know, fitness and training, like their actual fitness training? A hundred percent, because it, it, can, it can only lead to... to to disappointment if you get it wrong and there's nothing worse than particularly a, a first timer where they're likely it is that their their life involves a whole load of other things other than just running and therefore their their spare time they are prioritizing and and you know they're they're focusing on on running and therefore the last thing i want to do is to you know invest all of this time in in preparing for something like a marathon which is a you know it's a, a big event in in people's lives and then to get to race day and it all fall apart and have not you know essentially look like on paper they've wasted their time because they haven't got you know one thing correct you know so it would be like arriving on on race day and and you know you, you don't have any running shoes it's like you, you you risk throwing the whole race out the window because you haven't got a a, a key thing to, to help performance so you know it doesn't have to be hugely complicated but something that's just sort of included in their training program they've practiced it you know several times in the lead up you know, in the same way that you, as, as we mentioned earlier, you'd practice some, some race pace bits. And if you're on a hilly course, you'll have practiced doing some hill running and, you know, et cetera. So it can just be slotted into to training rather than being an additional thing to, to, to bolt on top of training, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And thank you for saying that because it really truly shows the importance from an expert like yourself. And just it, to the listeners on here, Uh, I hope you really have just absorbed that training is really not just about the fitness, especially when it comes to the marathon and everybody loves the marathon. It's a special event, even, you know, an Ironman is next level. Uh, But to those of you just getting into the endurance space, fueling is really important and it can make or break your race. Just like Chris said, it's like, it's like forgetting your vapor flies or your pair, whatever pair of shoes you're wearing. Uh, it's, you, you can't show up to the starting line without having practiced that in your training and doing it, um, consistently. Yes. Throughout the entire way. Um, that was a great point, Chris, two more questions. Okay. Just 
from a general standpoint, say, you know, I'm training for a marathon. You can't predict the weather. Let's just say that. Um, but I'm training for human conditions, humid, like very humid. And I show up to race day and it's like dry and cold. What would you recommend, like just from a general standpoint that someone or I could do to not mess up whatever I've been doing in my training in terms of fueling and hydration? I know that's such a hard question, but like you could take it whatever way you want to go. Sure, it, it is and it's not. You know, the, the whole premise behind preparing yourself for race day is that you're preparing yourself not just for, you know, exactly what you're expecting, but also a little bit of, of lenience either way. You know, the whilst the likelihood of, you know, expecting 100% humidity and getting zero is fairly low, if you're preparing yourself for, for a very, very high humidity race and a, and a warm temperature racing, the likelihood is you'll have done some, or you perhaps should have done some, some, testing or some experimentation where you've simulated conditions similar to those during training to sort of get yourself used to it, to see how your body reacts, to see whether your, your sweat rate changes, to see how much your sweat rate changes by, whether you need to drink some more, how much more you need to drink, um, et cetera. So it, it, you know, you, you'll have likely gone through a lot more testing and analysis than perhaps even you realize. And therefore, if you come to, to race day and suddenly it, it's less humid and it's not as warm, then you know, the, the area that you've been looking at, which is essentially a, a worst case scenario for, for what you need to drink and what you need to eat, can you can sort of step back from that a little bit and know that, OK, I don't actually need to be quite as aggressive with my hydration strategy, for example. So I'll give just some, some numbers thrown around. If, for example, you've, you've tested yourself on a, in, a, in a heat chamber or you've, you know, you've, you've, you've been on, a, on the treadmill and you've measured, measured the humidity and you're, you're operating around about race intensity and you're sweating at, let's say, a couple of litres an hour, two litres an hour or, or 64 ounces an hour. And when, it, when you measure yourself in sort of regular room temperature in normal humidity conditions, you're down at a litre an hour. Then if you know those two variables and you, you plan for the, the worst case scenario where you've, you've sort of, you know you're you're planning to lose two liters an hour, so therefore your 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 hydration strategy is, is set to to try and meet those those losses. And you turn up on race day, and you know that you're probably only going to be losing you know a liter an hour. Then it sort of it can be seen as a as a, a bit of a relief. You know, okay, I don't have to be, as I said, quite as aggressive in that strategy. So it doesn't mean you have to to change it entirely, but as I said, it can give you scope to be a little bit more relaxed. And that's the whole premise behind a, a fuel strategy and a hydration strategy is that it is totally variable. And, you know, and you can adjust it to your own individual responses because looping back completely, some people's sweat rates don't change that much at all between, you know, the, the hot and the very hot and the cool conditions. Some people just sweat a lot as it is, or some people just don't sweat a lot as it is. And therefore they're hydration strategies might not actually change that much at all but one thing's for certain definitely don't need to panic as long as you've done the the correct preparation then you know the, you'll be able to adjust your strategy um just fine that's very comforting to hear and yeah i mean to the listeners on here it's you know it's always good to have a plan b and just you know to know that you could always just pull back on the amount of carbohydrate you're taking or whatever you're doing for your fueling strategy and to make sure that you have a plan. And so I'm not trying to sell you, like sell your sell precision fuel and hydration, but I'm saying there's a method to the madness. You should, you know, you should check them out. And, you know, what Chris said is, you know, it's a very 
there's a lot of different ways that, you know, anything could go, but just again, hitting home with that consistency and trying out things that might not work great for you. You know, they might not. And then going back to the drawing board and seeing like, okay, why? And looking at, you know, the time of day you took certain gels, how much of it you took, um, how much you took during a certain time frame in a run or a race, like things like that. And uh, Chris, are there, is, are there, do you have people on your team that work with, um, I guess, athletes, like on an individual basis that, you know, where they, you like, do you provide that kind of training? Yeah, absolutely. All of our all of our athlete calls and 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 all the interactions that we do are on a one-time basis, simply because we we recognise and we promote the fact that all fueling and hydration is individual, and therefore having group calls is is often uh, inappropriate, simply because you know one my my needs and and requirements and preferences will likely be different to yours, and and therefore treating us both the same under the same umbrella would be would be inappropriate. So. We all we always deal with athletes on a on an individual basis, and that's not just a case of give them their plan and then that's it they're good to go because that plan also changes you know on a on a fairly regular basis between conditions between their fitness levels uh, between where they're racing in the in the world how their travel is how their personal life is and, and etc. There's lots of different things to consider, and so that that plan has to be very fluid. And when I say that that plan, it's not a. It's important to to understand. It's not a prescription. Fuel and hydration isn't a prescription. It's not a drink this, eat this, and and do this, and you'll be fine. It's a. It, it is just a, a plan to to have a guide to make sure that we're in the, the sort of the right ballpark. I I can probably speak freely in saying that most people, and being totally generalizable here, are. I like to use the analogy of a of a dartboard. They're They've got a blindfold on and they're just throwing darts and hoping that one of them sticks in terms of their fuel and hydration strategy. And all we're trying to do is help take that blindfold off and get people on the dartboard. We're not trying to hit the bullseye every single time, but we're trying to just, as I said, get them on the dartboard so that they have the, the best opportunity to, to find a, a really good strategy. And then later down the line, we have you know, our, our elite professional athletes that are, they have a plan that, they, that really doesn't change all that much because they've, they've got it pretty dialed in and it, you know, they're comfortable with it. They're getting the energy they need and they're, they're comfortable with the products that they're using. And so, you know, they're, they're all, they're, they've got it pretty dialed in. And so it's sort of, we, we, we're aimed to, to start pretty broad and, and, and get it more and more focused down the line. I love that. And I love the dartboard and I love what you said about the blindfold. I just, I'm thinking right now about, you know, as a coach, cause I, I'm also a coach, not just an athlete, I always talk about just finding what that like finding that strength in that runner or what works best for that runner to get them on that dartboard every time, not necessarily the bullseye, but just to get them on it and not just arbitrarily like just throw things and just, you know, do things for the sake of doing them. Any plan should be adjusted to meet an athlete where they are in their training journey and nutrition journey as well. And I love that you said that about the, the fluidity and just that's, dynamic constant communication between coach and athlete coach and athlete nutritionist and athlete uh because that's what coaching is is guiding guiding anyone towards their best selves whether that's a goal they want or whether that's a goal that they don't know that they want yet right absolutely and whether it's a goal that they even know is achievable and a lot of people surprise themselves and a lot of people you know overestimate themselves and take a little bit longer to get to that goal 
but exactly as you as you mentioned, you know the the role of of a of a sports nutritionist and the the role of a coach and the role of every other you know discipline within sport is to to help athletes you know come to the right to the top and achieve the goals that they're after and therefore you know we have to sort of and we we enjoy being the the sort of the the the, the advisor in that and and helping them guide them towards a, a plan that that is ideally suited to them. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what what I choose to do, and it doesn't matter what what anyone else chooses to do. It's finding something that that works for, for the individual athlete. Uh, that's you know excellent, Chris. Thank you so much for sharing, and I love how precision fuel and hydration truly is so individualized. It, I guess, I appreciate that because that's what I value, and that's what I try to provide to anyone I coach, but also as an athlete, like to any of the listeners on here, to all of you, actually, it's so important to get that kind of, I guess, guidance and just to help, like that help, that outside help. You can't coach yourself. Every coach needs a coach. Every coach needs more guidance. I'm telling you, like, if you want to be really good at something, find the expertise to help you get there and do it. So thank you, Chris. Uh, Last question. This is not a hard one. Maybe it is though. <laughs> Why'd you say yes to be run on, being on Run with Ali live today? I'll be honest. I've I've listened to to a few of your episodes and having, as you mentioned earlier, Andy has has chatted with you before and you know had nothing but fantastic things to say about you. And I, you know, I I was absolutely thrilled at the opportunity to to be invited on to to talk about fueling. And as as you you know sort of discovered, it's something that's quite close to my heart and it's something that's you know helped me an awful lot and there's an awful lot that you know a lot of knowledge that I've accumulated and I continue to accumulate that I just wish that I'd known earlier and therefore if we can sort of help anyone um, uh, understand what what I wish I'd known then you know it's a it's a good thing so you know and, and I'm extremely grateful to be to be invited on to do that. Well, yeah, thank you. And, you know, I'm very appreciative that, you know, Andy said such good things and I'm appreciative that you said yes to coming on this episode today after your race. I know you're probably decompressing. So, you know, it's, I, I can't even imagine. I admire that. I admire the triathlon. I used to be a swimmer. I guess that's why I used like, that was my thing. And then, you know, then it wasn't, <laughs> but, uh, you know, never say never, but, you know, Chris, it was such, it was a great time talking to you today and learning more about precision fuel and hydration and just ways to train smart, just simply put. So thank you so much again. And to everyone on here, I will see you at the same time, same place next week. Chris's information will be in the show notes along with the blog posts that you should truly check out. They're very informative and science-backed, and I know everyone loves the science-backed stuff. And yes, um, other than that, have a great rest of the day. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you. Don't forget to become a member on my website to get updates on my weekly new special episodes on the show sharing fun running feats, training methodologies, and all things running related to help you keep your running fun. Reference the link in the show notes to become a member of the Run With Alley community so you can connect with other like-minded individuals who love running just as much as you do. Again, do not forget to subscribe to the show by clicking the follow plus button, Apple Podcasts, or subscribing on whichever platform you're listening to the show on. 
please leave a review under the episode in whichever directory you're listening to the show in so I can better provide you with the top-notch content I strive to deliver you week in and week out. Thank you again for listening to Run With Allie Live. If you are looking for the perfect solution to finish your first marathon injury-free, even if you've tried to get in shape in the past and failed, sign up and get access to your free 24-week program now by clicking in the link in the show notes under this episode. Sign up now. All you need to submit is your email and I'll see you on the inside. Thank you so much for listening to Run With Allie Live. See you next time.